This is Jamie. And this is Donna. And this is episode number 73 of the Circus 71 podcast for the week of August 31st, 2021. On today's episode, more restaurants have reopening dates. Remy's Ratatouille Adventure virtual queue distribution times have been announced. Permits have been filed at the Primeval World site. And in our main segment, we play the fan favorite, Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. You're the fan, right? And I am Thumbs Up. This is the Circus 71 Podcast. All right, Donna, on to the news. Tokyo Dining has reopened as of, as we're recording this, this past Friday, August the 27th, in the Japan Pavilion at um, Epcot. It did reopen for a limited time during last holiday season, but hopefully this will be uh, more permanent now, scheduled to be open from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Thursdays through Mondays. So more of a uh, long weekend type of of place. Um, I have never eaten at Tokyo Dining. Have you? That's the new signature one, right? No, that's Takumi Takumi Tei. Yeah, no one either. (laughs) Tokyo Dining is where we actually walked through to get to Teppan Ito. Oh, to be 100% honest with you, Jamie, I did not, and I sell the product. I didn't know they were two separate restaurants. Yeah, Tokyo Dining is basically the front um, where you can... But yeah, Ito has been open for how long now? I'm sorry? Ito has been open for a while now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's been open. I don't know if it reopened with the pandemic, but it, it's been... Or, or with... um. With them reopening for, you know, how bizarre does that seem though? That they're going to open a hibachi location before a traditional plate at menu? Yeah. And they actually, because we ate at Teppanito a couple weeks ago in in August, um, actually, for um, if you were with different parties, they had uh, portable um, plexiglass shields that they could hook into the hibachi table. Um, if you're with a different party and I saw them still using them, which I thought was interesting. Well, which is lovely because then you're not breathing on the person next to you, but they're still breathing on your food as it's being cooked. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, come on, seriously. Did anybody? Yeah, no, nobody had a, a mask um, on what that I observed while the food was being cooked. And there's definitely not six feet of distance. It's probably closer no. to four from the like, food. That is a total joke. I did eat there. You're making me feel great. <laughs> yeah. But then again, we were all we were all in the same um, <laughs> we were Excuse all in the me. same uh, the same party. You know, we filled it. You know, the Habad seats eight and we were seven. But nevertheless, Tokyo Dining's in the front. I have not eaten there. Um, beautiful it looks like but um if our listeners heard what they thought was a dog that's just my leftover barking cough from this lovely lovely rsv that my son gave me at teppanito next to strangers (laughs) i hate you please don't make me cough (laughs) all right so uh tokyo dining maybe i'll put it on my list because i i really did enjoy um Teppanito. I've eaten there twice now. Well, to be honest with you, I like that style of food and it is gorgeous. Those sitting along the windows there, that would be beautiful. I just, I guess mm-hmm. I've only eaten there once that one time with you, with your family, Teppanito, years yep. ago before Anthony was born. Um, and I do really enjoy hibachi. I do really enjoy that style of food, as I said. Um, I didn't, I guess I just didn't realize as we walked through that they were two different 
restaurants. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. I'll probably have to, have to put that on my list as well. Thank you for that little tidbit. It may actually be the same check-in podium, though. I don't know if they're separated. Interesting. So well, now they're anyways. both open and you don't have to have other people breathing on your food. <laughs> exactly. All right. Next up, biometric scanners are in use once again at the Magic Kingdom. So for those folks who don't know what we're talking about, I'm not sure that you are listening to the right podcast for everybody else. Those biometric scanners, of course, are the fingerprint scanners at the front touch point. So um, since the reopening after the pandemic, they have been taped over. Cast members have just said, you know, touch your band, touch your card, touch your phone, whatever. And you've just kept going. Um, But they have brought them back into use. Magic Kingdom is the final park to reinstate the devices as part of that entry process. Animal Kingdom, Blizzard Beach started uh, this past Monday. Then Epcot and Hollywood Studios on Wednesday. And finally, Magic Kingdom. So gone are the days where you could just touch in and keep walking. Returned are the days where you have to wait for people. Which finger did I use? Did my kid use their fingerprint or is it mine? And every other lovely thing that takes forever. I get why they're doing it. I'm not taking away from that, but it still takes up more time. Yeah, I think the next evolution is going to be some sort of that. Well, they did the test for it, the facial scan technology that we talked about before. I I think that's going to be coming, you know, are you okay? Oh, Donna's just blowing her nose silently. (laughs) Maybe not so silently. trying to be quiet i put the phone over there and leaned over here and a normal person would have just kept talking instead of said oh that is just blowing her nose i didn't see the tissue in time but nevertheless i um, was in a meeting on friday and one of my coworkers texted me and asked if i was killing a tree because of the number of tissues i was using in the meeting oh no oh yes i was like thank you thank you michelle for making me feel so comfortable having to be on camera while i'm like dripping out of my face oh god that's awful um yeah but i i think that's going to be the next evolution and i have heard that they at least have a decent amount of hand sanitizer after you get into the turn styles so. or the tap styles but yeah i mean we know it's really not spread by surfaces but still it's more of a thought process i guess you could say but i get it I understand why it's back. So. Well, COVID-19 is not spread on services, but I keep going back to that doesn't mean that RSV, which is running rampant down here in Florida right now, isn't touched or spread by services because it is, or the flu or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, don't get me started. No, no, that's that's a definitely a valid point. So, All right. Next up, another restaurant reopening. The Diamond Horseshoe in Disney's In the Magic Kingdom uh, Frontierland will be reopening on September the 12th. It is a Liberty Square restaurant. I think I just said Frontierland, didn't I? It's considered Liberty Square? I'm thinking. I'm not ignoring you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's literally, I think it shares a kitchen with Liberty Street Tavern. Tavern. Yeah, it does. They're next to each other. Yeah, I I guess thematically, I never really thought about it. It seems more frontier land, but nevertheless, um, I guess the divider is sort of that walkway where the bathrooms yeah. are. Um, it had been basically overflow seating for Liberty Tree Tavern, um, but we'll be coming back. And the saloon feast at Diamond Horseshoe includes roasted turkey, pot roast, oven roasted pork, mashed potatoes, seasonal vegetables, herb stuffing, and a good old mac and cheese and an ooey gooey toffee cake. 
So it sounds like no one from Disney has listened to our podcast where we talked about things we wanted them to do for the 50th. And it does not sound like they'll be bringing back a show to that location. Is that correct? Yeah. Although I have to be honest, I don't ever remember seeing a show in here. I remember they had the one in Disneyland. I don't think I've ever eaten at this restaurant. Because it was closed for years. Oh my gosh. The, the longest time. Yeah. Um, so I ate there. Uh, you know how you have like. Oh, I'm totally going to admit this. And you're never going to let me live it down. But most people have a memory from childhood. that's very vivid because of one reason or another. Is yours related to food? One um, of my most vivid childhood memories. I was just barely three. Well, three in a couple of months. We were at Disney. And I was in line waiting to go into this restaurant. And I was spinning around in circles and running and hugging my dad's leg. Spinning around in circles, running and hugging my dad's leg. Well, they moved. Donna kept spinning. Donna ran and held the leg. It wasn't my dad. It was a total stranger who was behind us in line the entire rest of the time. I like buried my face in my dad's chest for the rest of the time. And then we had to sit next to the dude for like our whole meal. And I remember being mortified as like a three and a half year old kid. Man, that I'm impressed you remembered that. That's I do. I, 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 (laughs) in any case, I know I ate there then. I don't have tons of memories of the show other than like, you know, the slapsticky stuff. And then when we went to Disneyland, I know I dragged you and Val in there. And you were like, come on. And I was like, no, 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 we're doing this. And that was the same show. And, very similar show. Correct me if I'm wrong. Golden Horseshoe and Disneyland was consi- is considered quick service, correct? It is. Yes, sir. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I hadn't heard good reviews about it, um, you know, pre-COVID, but I, I have an interest to try it. I'm at least going to read some of the reviews and, and possibly – Head there for uh, December. I know that my parents ate there with my cousin, her husband, and their son probably four years ago, and they all enjoyed it. So, I mean, it's at least something worth trying. But for me, usually I'm not one to to eat and eat. I mean, we know I like to eat, but like eat and eat and eat and eat, eat, like a family-style meal, and then like let's go go on rides. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, Magic Kingdom – for dining, I think is just so so poor. So well, I tried that before. I would try um, jungle, whatever Skipper's Canteen. Skipper Canteen. Yeah, I haven't done that yet either. So no way. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Donna. You take the next one. All right, next up, interesting one. Distribution times have been announced for Remy's Ratatouille Adventures Virtual Queue. If you remember last week, Jamie and I talked about the fact that uh, with the announcement of lovely Genie and Genie Plus, came the announcement that Remy's R2 Adventure will use a virtual queue system when it opens on October 1st. Now more details have been released. The two boarding group times, probably not too surprising for those folks who are familiar with Rise of the Resistance, are 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. via the My Disney Experience app. So, folks, in case you've lost track, if you would like to ride this attraction, anytime after the park opens at... Jamie, remind me, what time is Epcot currently opening? 11. 11 a.m., that's right. So, if this was going to be a day that your family was going to sleep in and, you know, maybe not worry about... I think that does change to 10, though, in October. 
who cares? Point still solid. This was the day that your family was going to sleep in. What time do you have to make sure that you're awake <laughs> to try to get on the app? 6.55 at the latest. I mean, it's so asinine. It makes me so mad that they're having folks do this on their vacation at 7 o'clock in the morning. They're ha- Like, why does it matter? Why does it have to be 7 o'clock in the morning? If the park opens at 10, why can't it be at 9 o'clock in the morning? Why can't it be at, be at 9.30 in the morning? The whole thing is so stupid, it makes me mad. Yeah, no, that's a valid point with Epcot's opening time. You know, why 7 and 1? I, I mean, I, I don't I don't and why one, James? I mean, I guess to, to stop people from par- who park up over at two from, from doing it, but make it then like one fifty eight p.m. or one fifty five p.m. Because how many are they really going to have gotten through between them and the park opens at 10 and the next distribution at one? Yeah, no, all I, they're going to do agree. is piss people off at 7 a.m. Yeah, it's it's unnecessary to do it at that time. My guess, if I'm giving a legitimate answer, it probably was easier to code that way because that's what they have oh, to rise. I, I I'll stop. I'm, I'm raging at this point. I will stop. So I, I don't know. It, it's This is Andrew coughing because he's laughing at me right now. In case you're <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just trying to go through and actually I want to make sure I didn't misspeak, but I'm pretty sure Epcot changes come October when this ride is going to actually debut. Yeah. Oh, don't forget about the half an hour early that people might be able to get it if they're staying on property. 10 to 10. Um, that we don't know that that's actually a really good point. Would it even be open? It's because there is no standby. It's virtual queue or lightning lane. Are they going to open virtual queue times for resort guests? As starting at that 9.30. We don't I don't know think that. they could. I don't think so either. So I just think it's it's going to open at 10. So ridiculous. But yeah, push people to stay on property, saying there's so much value. And then, yeah. oh, you can't even wait in line for this. Okay. Uh, well, you know my thoughts on that. But the the I, I don't want to digress too much, but the, you brought up the, the park hopping not being able to do that to, at until two is a complete and utter joke. Well, Disneyland's got restrictions too, and the parks are like a football field away from each other. Yeah, I just I, I absolutely despise that, and, and for the first time since I've had an annual pass, I almost felt I don't even think it's worth it to have a hopper at this point if you can't go anywhere till two. But nevertheless, is it my turn? I think so. It is. Yes, sir. You're up. Talking a little bit about DCL, Disney Cruise Line. All guests 12 and over, 12 and older, excuse me, must now be vaccinated to board Disney Cruises. The Prime Minister of the Bahamas last week signed an order utilizing emergency powers to require all passenger cruises to provide a passenger manifest, including vaccination statuses. And in order to enter a port, all passengers 12 or older must be fully vaccinated. This new restriction will be in effect from September 3rd through November the 1st. And the really interesting part, as this was kind of um, coming out, coming to light, um, is that Disney owns an island in Mm -hmm. the Bahamas. And some people felt as though since Disney owned it, 
they shouldn't have to and disney's not the only cruise island to be very 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 clear disney is certainly not the only cruise line to own islands that is a very common thing both in the bahamas and in the caribbean for cruise lines to own islands but guess what you're still in the waters of that country they call the shots disney cannot even go to their own private island unless they're following the rules set forth by the prime minister really really interesting Yes, guests on a sailing to the Bahamas, including, as Donna said, Castaway Key, departing between September 3rd and November 1st, may modify or cancel without uh, cancellation fees by September the 3rd, literally the night before. Um, so guests who cancel will receive a full refund to the original form of payment. Now, Donna, you may be more um, on top of this than I am. November 1st? Or, or November Arbitrary. 2nd and beyond the is going to depend on the prime minister of the Bahamas or correct oh, okay. the state of the world his decision all the cruise lines have picked arbitrary dates you know for for the region right now that date is October 31st um you know where they say okay all for the region it's all guests have to be right now vaccinated so they're not even sailing with little ones Gotcha. So it depends on the line. So Disney's rules, since they've started sailing again, have been much more, I don't say lenient in a bad way, because it's still not like, hey, come on, everybody. Like, there's still rules to follow as far as testing and and pieces like that and uploading uploading documentation to a secure portal that Disney has nothing to do with. Like, there's a lot of layers here. But they have been much more accommodating, trying to allow families with younger ones to cruise other cruise lines have said sorry everyone has to be vaccinated because we are not making people wear masks in common areas we are not making you know blah 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 happen um of course the governor here in the state of florida has made that a little sticky for some cruise lines i won't get into the, the politics behind that piece um but in general in general um a lot of cruise lines have said everyone has to be vaccinated to sail and disney has not said that because they know that they have a lot of families sailing so basically, November 2nd and beyond is still to be determined. Correct. 100%. Gotcha. Okay, it's just, just an arbitrary, like, to, up until this date, for sure, this is the case. Gotcha. Okay. That's I'm moving forward. I, yeah. I hadn't uh, read that part before. And as I was reading that, I'm like, oh, it was only like three months or two months that they were talking right. about. So I um, thought that was interesting. Because gotcha. here's the thing, Jamie, and anyone who wants to argue with me, please call me and I will I will go round and round with this on you. Neither cruise lines nor the countries that have a lot of, of tourism and a lot of guests come through cruise ships, they cannot afford another mass closure of the cruise industry they will not survive it so these laws that are coming forth these conditional sailing orders from the cdc are not meant to torture people are not meant to say you can't you can't you can't it's meant to keep this industry alive and allow it to grow safely for everybody right so it's just anyone who's, and there are people who are up in arms about this. How dare he and all this other stuff it makes me mad. No, 100% valid. No, I absolutely agree with you. So you want to take the next one? All righty. 
next one says now see this is always funny because you and i say it differently i say primeval world you say primeval yeah as in the correct method keep laughing primeval like evil can evil you're evil can evil anyway prime evil world <laughs> thanks laugh a lot it's actually uh, prime did... val what it's actually pronounced prime val you're such an ass <laughs> disney has filed a permit for quote general construction at the site of the prime val world <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a drink all over my computer. <laughs> He's now standing up, folks, and using his shirt to try to dry off his computer screen. And I win. I win the world. Oh, oh goodness. So, anyway, they finally... I love how I was laughing at my own joke, too. <laughs> for general construction. Um, at that location, which closed permanently over a year ago. Um, so, other than ride vehicles being removed, the attraction really has not been touched i've seen them use that that undercover area as stroller parking i've seen it totally mm-hmm. cleared out i've seen it being used for pin trading nothing much um but earlier this year disney did file a permit for labor material under electrical for construction um contracting their in-house construction company but no visible work has been done to the attraction the new permit may be for demolition but it contracts MLC Theming, a company that usually deals in construction, which is kind of interesting. And it expires in April of 2022. So anything they are going to do is going to have to start soon because Lord knows Disney doesn't do anything quick. Yeah, I don't know what it could be for uh, other than demolition. It's interesting that they contracted somebody else. I, I don't I don't see this getting rethemed without that whole little area getting rethemed. And I just don't see that happening, period, at least in this, you know, restriction on capital expenditures and the 50th coming up. They don't want the 50th and a bunch of construction walls um, unless you're the center of Epcot. (laughs) Um, But uh, what I would actually like to see is they annex that with um, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before, the Finding Nemo, the musical and make an Australian land. I think that is a cool idea. Leave dinosaur, leave Restaurantosaurus as Dinoland USA and get rid of this thing. It's themed well, but it's themed badly. <laughs> so in a better way to say that, it is it is well done for what it was designed as, but the design was pretty poor. Nobody gets it. You know, it, it's right. for, for what it's supposed to be, the theme of it is good, but the theme is crap. The theme is, it's well done, but nobody gets it. And it looks Fair. cheap. Well, that's par for the course right now, but move right along. All right, wrapping up. Disney has reached an agreement with the unions, and unionized cast members will be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19. In a statement that was released last Monday, the 23rd, By the Services Trade Council, it was announced that Disney has reached an agreement with the unions to require cast members to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Employees with medical conditions or sincerely held religious beliefs, and um, this is a direct 
quote, um, will be eligible to apply for an accommodation through a negotiated process. No word on what that actually is or means. Cast members who do not comply with the vaccine requirement and do not request a legitimate accommodation will be separated from the company with a yes rehire status, I'm assuming after they get vaccinated. Um, In addition to vaccines being readily available, Disney has been and will be hosting on-site events over the next several weeks. Cast interested in getting vaccinated at work should go on the Hub, which is the internal information system um, for Disney cast members. Um, And as of uh, last Monday, when this was announced, the Pfizer vaccine was fully FDA approved and being offered by the Walt Disney Company. Well, Jamie, I told you that one day when we were driving behind uh, Magic Kingdom Cast Member Parking, we saw a big tent and we saw that they were giving out vaccines to folks. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's cool. Um, And then just just to wrap this up, salaried and non-union cast members receive 60 days as of July 30th, which would be coming up at the end of next month. Um, to become vaccinated, a timeline for the union cast members under this uh, new agreement has not yet been released. I would imagine probably similar timeline. I think it would have to be. And I think it was also interesting if you get a little deeper into that article, it talks about how there's like an arbitration involved that if someone wants to claim that they have sincerely held religious belief, but, you know, it's doubted by the union or or by Disney, I guess, in some way, that there would be a way to to kind of dig deeper. So they've definitely figured out how they're going to try to do this, you know, as, as fairly as they can. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, as we talked about uh, maybe about a month or so ago, you know, the Disney unions are for um, the vaccinations. It was just a negotiation process, which has uh, come to an agreement with. um, And this is, Donna, correct me if I'm wrong. This is all Disney cast members, not necessarily world. Are they under the same union? I don't believe so. I think World and Land have have different unions, but I know that the like even folks who work in Disney stores have to be vaccinated if they're Disney employees. Uh, we were at the outlets the other day, and the Disney stores being closed. I was sad. Didn't tell. Huh. Any good deals? Um, the line was out the door, so I would imagine. Huh. So. Well, Character Warehouse and Cast Connection down here are a joke. There, there's pictures all over the internet and different groups that I'm in that a price tag will say like forty dollars regular price, and the red sticker to show their price is like thirty nine ninety nine. And I'm not even kidding. I I've heard that I didn't hurt hear that bad, but I've yeah. heard that it's been pretty brutal. I was just saying if there's any other updates. No, that's pretty much it. So good for Disney. Good for the unions. You know, good for you know, the state of the world, hopefully. So, all right, Donna, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with some thumbs up, thumbs down. We are back. Thank you, Aiden. It is time for thumbs up, thumbs down. For any of our new listeners, this is a game um, that Donna and I play. This week, I will throw out some different restaurants, attractions, shows, etc etc to donna and she has to say whether she thinks it's a thumbs up or whether she thinks it's a thumbs down after she gives her thoughts and opinions i will share mine and tell her whether she was correct or incorrect with her thumbs up thumbs down vote ready and occasionally i do have to tell jamie thumbs up 
because whenever he asks Val for some action, she says thumbs down. <laughs> that is true. But nevertheless, thumbs up, thumbs down. You ready to go, Donna? I'm always ready. All right. Beauty and the Beast live on stage. Thumbs up. Absolutely. I think that's one of the really cool um, pieces that makes Hollywood Studios such a unique park. Location, attraction, entertainment destination that they have those huge outdoor theaters um for i know you don't like indie but i do like indie i like beauty and the beast live on stage fantastic neither of us like but i do think that it's neat that they have those huge outdoor um amphitheaters for our entertainment it's funny <laughs> when you said the huge outdoor theaters all i could as you said that i'm thinking what other outdoor theaters? And then you said indie, and I'm like, I hate that so much. <laughs> I totally forgot it existed. Um, you're 100% right. Now, have you seen Beauty and the Beast live on stage since it reopened a couple of weeks ago? No, we have not. Okay. There's some understandable differences from pre-COVID. Um, significantly less people on stage. Sure. which is understandable um the dancers are always like six feet apart there's a lot of space between the two of them there's less of them um they now i i don't think this was cut pre-covid and if i'm wrong donna correct me they had people that were dressed up as actual plates they plate characters that danced i think i remember that yeah, they were white plates and, I don't know, they had, like, purple embellishments or something yeah. on them. Um, they were not there. Okay. And it, it typically, the normal show ends with a kiss between Belle. Correct. The prince. It, it's more of a socially distanced smile at each other. <laughs> so it, it's a little awkward ending, but once again, it is understandable. Um, so I'm hoping at some point we're able and they're able to get those other people on stage because um, it does lose a little bit of the, the grandeur, you know, the sure. our guest scenes and, and things like that. Um, one other and you have to be like an uber Disney fan to notice some of the differences. Um, the silverware, you know, yeah. how they used to do uh, the people. Um, during the BR guest scene, they would hand out to each right. other the knife. Oh, uh, they can't do that anymore. <laughs> they would go backstage and then carry their own silverware back on. So it's like little differences like that that I'm like, oh, that's a pretty smart substitution. Um, I do hope it gets back to the normal show. It's a major thumbs up. Um, I think it's my dad's favorite in all of Walt Disney World. Um, when we were there in, in August, my aunt wasn't feeling too well one day and they actually took Aiden and Peyton and my mom and dad and they went, I think it was like a two o'clock show and they just stayed for the three o'clock show Aww. and Aiden and Peyton were fine um, with it. it. It is just a really, really good show. And you had just talked about the amphitheater. It's kind of a cool structure. Like I always yeah. find myself looking up at the, the fans and the the... I don't even know what the roofing material is made out of, whether it's, it's painted wood. I don't think it is, but um, it's just cool looking. And, and I yeah. really like being there, the plants on the side. Um, and the show's cool. It, it's been cut down over the years, but 
overall still a major, major thumbs up. So I always you're one for one. It when they turn the fans off, though, right before the show starts, I'm like, oh. What do you mean? The big fans they have up in the rafters? Yeah. They power them down before the show. Oh, it ran through in August. Really? Yeah. I don't I know. I wonder if I'm... that's the circulate air with COVID. Maybe. I never noticed that they shut them down, but it's totally plausible. But yeah, no, they were 100% running. Or somebody huh. forgot to flip the switch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Number two. This, is, this could be a tough one, a little bit of a debate. Epcot's International Food and Wine Festival. Oh, okay. I like the festivals. What I don't like is this ridiculous months-long festival or the idea that Epcot always has to be in a festival status to be a good park. I don't think there's anything wrong with Epcot. Well, you know, when there's not walls everywhere. I don't think there's anything wrong with Epcot that requires there to be festivals at all times. That said, when it brings entertainment to the parks, as it used to, really, really cool. The Eat With The Beat series is one of my favorite music series they used to do. Um, You know, there's always good food and drinks around. But there's also a fair share, especially on the weekends, of locals getting sloshed and and it's embarrassing and it's not something I want my four-year-old son around. So there are definitely perks um, to the festival. There are definitely pitfalls to the festival in general thumbs up. But if you ask me that festival versus like flower and garden, I take flower and garden because I really like the topiaries, but just in general thumbs up. I agree. You know, I, I don't have any major bones of contention. I think if I said food and wine festival, and I'll, I'll speak for you here, um, on a Saturday night, <laughs> it may have changed to a thumbs down. <laughs> um, and I noticed that too in August. It's just like, I feel like the whole drink around the world thing is so overplayed at this point. Um, it, it's, it's not cool to be in Disney World and, and just be out of your mind drunk. I, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't get the expense behind it because you're no talking kidding. at least a hundred dollars. Oh mean, my god, Jamie, that's the low end. Yeah, you, one drink can be twenty bucks. I mean, that's like four days of Jamie Plus. <laughs> but um, you made some great points. I I think if they're not and they haven't since the 80s, going to build a full-out pavilion. I think the concept of the food booths fits so well with that. And I get it. It's, it's, they're trying to increase guest expenditures. But at the same time, the food booths are themed. Yeah. They look cool. They fit the, the um, theme of Epcot, of celebrating culture and cuisine and all these different things. So I don't necessarily mind it. I, I know some people are like, oh, here we go, 95 <laughs> days of food and wine or whatever it is this year. My counterpoint to that is then if they have a festival every day of the year, no matter when you go, you can see something. You know, and, and I get it that, you know, Diet Epcot, the Epcot without festivals is still a good park, but all in all, at least there's, there's something always to do that's sort of plussing it. It's a little special. 
Yeah, but for me, and I know I'm playing devil's advocate here, that would be a reason for people to come down during a certain season. Oh, there's a festival going on then. I'm going to come down. And now it's like, huh, don't worry. You're coming down to Florida, to Walt Disney World. I'll tell you what festival is going to be going on when you're here. Counterpoint to that, though, is maybe some people do go for specific festivals. You know, if you want to so see Flower and Garden. Go- window this year. Congratulations. Yeah, but if you want to see Flower and Garden, you can't see it in November. Yeah. Or I Festival of the Holidays doesn't work in March. Hmm. I don't know. Just, I mean, Festival of the Holidays, I think, is usually only, what, about six weeks? Yeah, well, Festival of the really, Holidays, excuse me, is really quick because it's after Thanksgiving, just through the end of the year. And then they turn right around and they do Festival of the Arts. Right. Which I think is also a little underrated. But all in all, yeah, I'm good with giving it a, a thumbs up. I like fe- food and wine. Not my favorite festival, but still a thumbs up. Yeah. All right. Sticking in Epcot for topic number three. Mariachi or Mariachi Cobre. So it's really funny that you asked me that question. And here's why. Uh, we really like, as we talked about on the show, my family really enjoys Voices of Liberty. So in general, we will make it a point to go see them when they're performing any sort of special performance, whether that was for um, when they first came out and they did, what were they calling the set where it was all Disney songs, James? Like all movies? It was during Festival of, uh, of the Arts. They were calling it something special instead of just voice oh. delivery. Oh. Weren't they? Well, Festival of the Arts was the Disney Broadway series. No, but they didn't do that this year. Oh, oh, um, I, I don't know. Okay, so they did not bring in the, the Disney Broadway series this year, which was very disappointing because for those folks who have not had the chance, it's one of my favorite things about that festival, they had either two folks on stage or four folks on stage maximum at a time for that Disney Broadway ser- series. They have more people on stage for Voices of Liberty, more people on stage for the Mariachi Cobra. So I don't want to hear those about COVID. It was about chop, chop, chop the money budget. Anyway, um, Voice of Liberty did a special set that was all scenes from Disney movies. And I knew that Anthony would really like it. So we got there super, super early. And Mariachi Cobra was performing. There you go. The Disney songbook. Andrew Googled it. That was what they were oh, calling that. Okay. That performance was the Disney songbook. songbook. Um, we got there super, super early because we wanted to get good seats that Anthony could see and, and everything like that. And Mariachi Cobra came out. And he had a freaking blast (laughs) an absolute blast like dancing jumping around like he loved every second of it and we saw them once around christmas time as well and they like actually went through and told the story about how um mary and joseph knocked on the door how they had like a song in their culture about mary and joseph knocking on the doors in bethlehem looking for a place to see and how everyone turned them away so they had everyone in the crowd turn like put up their hands and say like no room here until they finally got to the inn where you know the innkeeper said they could you know have the manger and blah blah, blah. it was really really cool and they had a lot of cool props and they even had a, a female come out and act as mary and you know dance with them and it was it was wonderful and then voices came out and as much as I love the Voice of Liberty, I think Anthony really was into Mariachi Cobra's performance that day more. So the third time that we saw Mariachi Cobra and then Voice of Liberty was on 4th of July this year. 
again, we got there early. We wanted to see the voices for the 4th of July. And we saw Mariachi Cobre. And Mariachi Cobre rocked the house. And the Voice of Liberty came out and did a couple songs. And I was like, I'm really glad that we saw Mariachi Cobre. They were so good. So, so in general, thumbs up is my answer. I never appreciated them. I will say that, you know, when they were doing like the, the Coco thing, I just kind of walked by them. Oh, okay. They're performing. Um, but we actually took some time. I think we arrived early. I don't know for, for, it may have been for Teppan Ida. We were like way early in Japan. And when you only have an, an hour, like you're not walking to frozen, we're not going to Mexico and walking back, anything like that. So we'd say, all right, let's go and see the show. And I didn't realize this, and I think I texted this to you. Mariachi Cobre was a day one yep. Epcot, you know, 10182 um, entertainment, which I think yep. is awesome, especially with how they cut entertainment that they've sustained over the years. And they were awesome. Yeah. I mean, really, really cool. Um, I didn't know most of the songs they were singing, and most of them were in Spanish, I'm assuming. Um but it was just, you could tell how talented. Andrew said, no, Jamie, they were in French. <laughs> they were in French. <laughs> they, they were guest speaking. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I thought that was really, really good. And, and Aiden and Peyton liked it. And, and you know, it, it was, you know, nobody's going to go unless you're an uber, uber Disney fan and an uber Mariachi Cobre fan. Nobody's going to go to Epcot to see Mariachi sure. Cobre specifically. But it is part of the entertainment that makes Epcot and Disney World in general, you know, special. And, and it would be sad to see something like that go. And I always think it's so cool that they're all multi-talented. Not a single one of those gentlemen just played an instrument. That's a great observation. They could play multiple instruments. They could like dance a little bit. Like I just, it's so stinking cool to see that, that level of talent. No, I agree. So major thumbs up. We have to get a disagreement here. Maybe this one. (laughs) And I, I I can't just say something because it won't make sense. So, Family style meals over a buffet option. So the Thumbs change. Down. Oh, go up. Oh, you already understood what I meant. Uh huh. Go ahead. A hundred percent thumbs down. Now that said, I will say that we very much enjoyed our family style breakfast that we had at Chef Mickey's. We also enjoyed our plated meals at Hollywood and Vine very much, which is not exactly what you asked me because you specifically said family style. Mm, but okay. in, in general, I like the idea of this is the food that you can choose, have as much or as little as everything as you want versus, you know, here's your skillet. This is what everybody gets, no matter what, no matter like like your situation at KMA Cafe. My family would will not eat there with that current family style option, even though we love certain seafood because we don't eat mussels and clams and all that other nonsense that they were putting on the plate. Um, so in that sense, that's just a waste of food and a waste of time and a waste of money. Whereas if you let me walk up to the buffet, if I want to eat a hundred corn dogs off of the children's buffet, no one can stop me. I'm eating my hundred corn dogs and go pound sand. This, I don't want to give a thumbs in the middle, but that's what I'm going to sound like. No. I think it, it's ultimately probably a thumbs down. But I will say there 
are some instances where I I liked the change. Um, well, we know I, you didn't like Hollywood and Vines Buffet. Right, that's true. Yeah, we didn't like that afterwards. I thought that was an improvement, even though it was entree-based. Um, Cape May Cafe would have been a thumbs down. Um, but I will yeah. say I really, and this was entree-based before, loved Sebastian's family style. That really, really enjoyed that. We had not, but it, was, it wasn't a buffet before. It was entree-based. Um, so that doesn't even fit your prompt. I know. I'm just saying in general. I, I like that change, though. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other... Because Boma just reopened as... Crystal Palace made the change, but we had not eaten there since they changed it. Is Crystal Palace family style? I thought so, but I could be mistaken because, again, we have not eaten there. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know buffets are on their way back. So, ultimately... I would, you know, if I hadn't eaten, I'll say this. If I hadn't eaten at Sebastian's, I would say thumbs down. But so again, if Sebastian's I, wasn't a buffet turned family style there, buddy. Entree turned family style. I love the family style there. Like, I love, love that family style meal. So I'll say you're right. Thumbs down. All right. Moving right along. Club cool. <laughs> you hated this. So we're going to disagree. I gave this a thumbs up. I know the floor was sticky. I know that you got grossed out by the noise of the sneakers. But I thought it was so cool. I thought it was such a cool concept. And not that Anthony really likes anything but water or milk. Like, we've offered him a million different juices. We even let him try, like, if Andrew has, like, a soda, a Coke, or a Mountain Dew or whatever, and he expresses interest. Sure, buddy, you can have a sip. Like, not going to kill you. You're four years old. You can have a sip. He makes, like, a face like you've given him, like, poison like he's Beverly. he is so upset by the taste it is like he just he hates it uh, unless it's water or skim or one percent milk it's just funny um but as he gets older like that would be really cool to be like hey bud like this is what this soda that we drink here this is what they serve regularly in ireland or in italy or wherever like that's when you order a coke that's what it tastes like it's not you know the coke we have here or you know, whatever, whatever drink would be. Um, so I really liked the concept of it. It felt like one of the very, very, very few free things that you could go and do and experience. Um, of course, they had like the souvenirs all around too, but I really liked it. I thought it was cool. I get the the ick factor, but I liked it. It's funny because I didn't remember saying how much I hated it. Maybe that's when it was around. Um, I would go thumbs up as well. It, it's cool. Once again, fitting in with Epcot, you know, understanding and, and appreciating. And I don't want to say experiencing different cultures, but experiencing things from different cultures around the world. It's always funny to trick somebody into drinking Beverly, um, <laughs> which if you, if you have not ever done that, please make sure you run and do so. Um, the floor is gross and disgusting. I don't know if <laughs> they could do was mortified. I don't know if they could do anything to change that and, and fix that, but I am glad to see this is sticking around. I'm glad to see it's staying. <laughs> you said sticking. <laughs> I like it. Glad to see that it will stay complimentary. Um, and hopefully I toss this on the list because it is uh opening soon, hopefully. Yeah, well, I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> Next up. All right, we're going to have to run through these. Uh, we'll see how many we get through. Um, Disney's Old Key West Resort. 
Interesting question. So my parents and now my home DVC resort is Saratoga Springs. But Saratoga Springs and Old Key West have very typical, uh, similar points charts, which for those who might not be super familiar, would be essentially how many of your allotted points for the year will cost per night for those accommodations. So many, many times uh, we would stay at Old Key West because it was like one point per night cheaper. And my parents said, why not? Like, no big deal. The other cool thing about Old Key West when talking about the two-bedroom units is, fun fact, Jamie, this might come into play for your family at some point in time if you all choose to pull your points and stay together. The two-bedroom units, Old Key West is the only one that has two actual queen beds as opposed to a queen bed and a sleeper sofa. Okay. Yep. So that can come into play. they even have two queens in the studios. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Again, the only one that does. Mm-hmm. Um... This actually, I guess, technically is my third resort because this is my parents' contract that I'm also on. So oh, they, okay. they bought into Old Key, um, which was a real quick... I was on the, I'll never forget this. I was on the phone with my mom and we were talking about it and, and she goes, oh, the DVC guide is calling me. Should I go with Saratoga or Old Key West? And I'm like, uh, all right, take the extra three years because it's a longer contract. Uh, with Old Key West and Saratoga. And I'm glad that they, they did that. So we have, you know, extra points at a different different resort. Um, we stayed there. It was our second, technically, DVC stay because our first night um, in March was at uh, Boardwalk. I loved it. I thought it's awesome. I love the feel of it. Um, you know, you see part of the, one of the golf courses, I, I think, LBV? Lake Buena Vista. Yeah, yeah that's LBV. what I thought. Um and yeah, very pretty. Rooms are huge. The rooms are the biggest uh, DVC rooms, actually. Yeah, um, I will say the studio television should be embarrassed of itself. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I have a bigger TV on my desk next to my computer nice. than is on the wall there. But um, yeah, all in all, major, major thumbs up. I like. I love the the lighthouse there. I love the themed pool. Um, we even ran it. My college roommate and I stayed at Old Key West our junior year of college at Westchester. We rented a Surrey bike and rode it around the resort. Mm. Did you know that lighthouse has a sauna at the bottom? Yes, I sure did. Because I mean, when you're in you know Florida in August, you really need a sauna. And we also did, Andrew, Anthony, and I actually did a tour for DVC. Actually, you know what? I start to say for DVC members, but I don't think it has to be. I think it's just for anybody who wants to go. And I want to say it's like Wednesdays and Saturdays. You meet the guide in the lobby and you tour the resort. And they talk about the history of the Old Key West Resort and how it came mm -hmm. to be and everything like that. And at the end of the tour, we got like a little snack. I heard, do you remember what the snack was? We got a little snack and a pin that said like the Conk Republic on it, which was really, really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, thumbs up. We're going to have to disagree on something. Um, well, then give me a question that you think we have a different opinion on. Captain Cooks. Never been. Can't answer. It's a major thumbs down. I, I, I don't know whether I just don't order the right thing there. I've eaten there twice and Val and I go back. It is. Huh. It, we had awful, awful, awful experiences. Um, and I even got the thing that people rave about, the Thai coconut meatballs. And I thought they were terrible. Really just didn't like it. Jeez. Um, I'm assuming, okay, maybe we might have a different opinion on this. And you have to give me a minute to say, explain what it is. Okay. Disney 
Genie. Not Genie Plus, not Lightning Lane. Disney Genie. So you mean the idea behind it of like, you know, guiding people to making decisions about like which attractions to go to and things like that? Yes, the free update, the complimentary thing that's coming. Okay. I can see this both ways. So here's why. Ever since it went from Legacy Fast Pass to My Disney Experience and Fast Pass Plus, I have felt like Disney made folks constantly have their phone in their hand. Oh, I'm making a fast pass, or I'm adjusting a fast pass, or I'm looking at a wait time, or, 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 or. And I feel like sometimes, if only by accident, you miss the little things, a kid's the a look on a kid's face while seeing a character, um, you know, a, a neat Disney intricate detail that you weren't see because your face is buried in your phone. Um, I mean, just just walking around the park, you see so many people walking around with their phones in their hand. Some, of course, are on social media because that's the, the society. Others are definitely on the Disney app. I tell all of my clients when they come to Walt Disney World, please pack at least one, if not two, phone charger banks and bring that with you because you're going to be on your phone a lot on the app during the day. You're going to need it. You're going to blah, 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 blah. So in that respect, I hate that it's bringing yet another thing that people are going to want to check and do and, oh God, I'm all the way in Frontierland and this is telling me that if I run to Tomorrowland, I can have a short line for Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. That's definitely a good plan for my family right now in the 98 degree weather. So I hate it in that regard. But I like it in the sense that I also hear when I'm in line with my kid and, and my husband, people talking about what attraction they're going to next. Or in the days of Fast Pass Plus, which attractions they had a Fast Pass for. And I would kind of cringe going like, oh, that's the worst use of a Fast Pass ever. <laughs> because, like, I knew that that wasn't a good choice. So in that sense, I think it's nice. Because I think it does have the ability to guide people who might need more guidance. And have them get more out of their ever-increasing cost vacation. So I truly see it both ways. And I know it's such a cop out, but that's really where I see it. It's valid. I, because I'm kind of thumbs in the middle, if we'll, for this and for everything that you said, which is hundred percent accurate. The other thing that it's, it's fundamentally, I need to see how it works in that. How does the system determine which thousand people it's going to send a push notification to oh buzz lightyear's lower than predicted right now yeah it, it can't send everybody that wants buzz lightyear running to buzz lightyear right so it, it, it's if that happens it is a colossal thumbs down <laughs> you know this disney genie is trying to out touring plans touring plans and this is fundamentally what touring plans is um i like that it's integrated into the same app i like that it's integrated with dining plans and or, or uh dining reservations not dining plans um you know other things that you may want to do or see so if it works as promised and it's complimentary 
okay, thumbs up. If it's the colossal failure that Disney Tech can and usually is, that's where it's the thumbs down. So I'm going to say, I'll be positive and say thumbs up with an asterisk of, you know, see me later this winter. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Um, All right. I got two more. um, All right. I'll save that one for the end. Disney Wi-Fi. Oh, it's awful. Humongous thumbs down. (laughs) Um, Everyone with half a brain knows if they're in the park trying to get a boarding time for Rise of the Resistance, that you have to turn off your Wi-Fi and use your data. Yeah, I'm tip. I mean, I have unlimited data, so I'm in my house and I I don't have Wi-Fi turned on. Um, but I have found Pop Century's in-room Wi-Fi has been better than like Copper Creek. Huh. It was better than even the Boardwalk Wi-Fi was really suspect. Um. So those two specifically, I thought were were really bad. Um, Old Key West was not awful, but like Pop Century in the room, I, I always thought was pretty good. Um, you know, around the in the parks, I I, I never use it because it's just way too frustrating. I'd rather use my cell signal. Yeah. So agreed. What's the last one? Last one: Chester and Hester's Dinorama. <laughs> okay. So this was essentially the area that Jamie and I were talking about in housekeeping, where um, Prime Val Whirl, <laughs> he doesn't have water this time, he's been all over his computer, guys, very sad, uh, <laughs> is, is located. Um, and the idea behind it is it's supposed to be like a, an old like school, old-timey carnival that would pull into a parking lot. That's why that area is paved the way it is. That's why there's the old parking lines on the ground and they pop up the little carnival. So that's the idea behind it. There's the the pop-up dinosaur ride that's like Dumbo that Anthony, of course, loves. Uh, there was Primeval Whirl, um, Primeval Whirl, whatever the heck Whirl, we've decided that that is called. Triceratops the- Spin? No, that's the dino one. Oh, that's, oh, sorry. That's like Dumbo, I, I, Focus I Grasshopper. um the wild mouse theory uh ride um and then there's the uh (laughs) andrew wants to know if uh, hey hey is behind the coffee maker yes he is (laughs) um the the carnival style games but in that theming they kind of get a little cheap because the carnival style games are not included with admission at disney's animal kingdom to be fair though neither of the games in frontierland um but they're not cheap to play those games it's not even like they say every person who walks in the door here's a ticket to play like nothing is included it is all you know pay five bucks to play one game to win a cheap little stuffed animal's gonna fall fall apart in a day um so it, it it's not it's definitely not my favorite area but it's not it's not my least favorite but if I have to go thumbs up, thumbs down, I'm glad they're they're at least looking like they're going to replace it, so I'll do thumbs down. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I hate Primeval World. I, I there's people drag me onto that attraction, present company included. Of course, I, I, I despise that. I think it looks cheap. Um, I try and have like fun. I hate the spinning of it. I think that's what kills me the most. If it didn't spin unnecessarily, I could at least tolerate it. 
Um, I will disagree slightly and say a lot of the plushes that they do give out as prizes are actually not that bad, I don't think. I think they're relatively okay quality. Um, I never knew how expensive the games were. I always just looked at the, the plushes and I've seen videos and things on them. Um, Triceratops Spin does nothing for me. Um, I'm not a Spinner Ride fan. I know that's a big shock. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it has one of the best backstage gates where it says the car <laughs> lot is full. I always enjoy that and think that's kind of funny. Um, so like like Donna said, and like we've talked about, the actual theme of that area is is well-themed. I just think it's lost on way too many people, and it just looks cheap and tacky and doesn't fit in with the rest of the park. Yeah. Like, like the, I, I don't, it's just, there's not a lot of vegetation in the middle of the area. You know, it's a paved parking lot. Um. Yeah, it's it's for me a thumbs down. I I, I don't know what they're going to do with it because uh, Triceratops Spin is still running. It's not like you can just retheme. I mean, they could. Who knows what they would do? But just retheming Primeval World seems odd. Unless the only other thing would be if they finally found the parts that we had heard, like they can't find the parts to refurb the attraction. Maybe they're just trying to bring it back online, and that's what the permit is for. Yeah. But I don't know. The whole area is a major thumbs down. I, I mean, there's so many cooler things they could have done, made it more, you know, the original excavator type ride um, that they had proposed, or like I said, annex it to Finding Nemo and make it Australia. So major thumbs down for me. I, I don't like that area at all. So we went uh, nine for nine there, my friend on a list of 10 well remember captain cooks i couldn't vote on uh, so. Cap- one uh uh what is that when you don't vote abstain abstination i don't think oh, abstination. wow abstination yeah that 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 sounds like uh sounds like it's not a word well it sounds like some something people do to not get pregnant so <laughs> But nevertheless, yeah, that was my uh, thumbs up, thumbs down list. Not as controversial as I thought it would be. All right. Well, that wraps up for this week. Next week, we will be talking about some ideas to kind of make the heat seem a little bit more bearable here in Central Florida. Um, For those of you who know me outside of the podcast, you might know that um, when folks ask me, hey, don't you get tired of living in Florida? There's no seasons. And I go, nope, you don't have to shovel sunshine, bring on the heat. I love it. You know, when you're freezing up north, I'm living life outside down here. I love, love, love it. There's one month that is the exception. And that month is the month of September, when it is still seventh circle of a very hot place here and up in Pennsylvania the weather's starting to break the fall leaves are starting to come in and that's the one month that I'm like all right okay enough let's go let's 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 not have the mid 90s and it just continues for what seems like the longest month out of the 12 so next week we are going to be talking about ways to beat the heat and hopefully uh, cheer me up a little bit uh but other than that if anything comes up you want to um chime in please feel free to send us a message we hope you have a great week and we'll see you real soon <laughs>